Welcome to Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining the phone, I have Vance. Hi, Vance. Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening to you. We also have guest, Andrew I. Hi, Andrew. Good evening. Do you go by Andrew or Andy? Andrew. Thank God. <laughs> no Drew, no Andy. Yeah. That's my that's it's my true. name is Andrew, but I've always been just called Andy my whole life. I never really had the choice. They just kind of called me that. Right. I didn't get to pick my pronouns. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's enough about me. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products. FatAZMuskie.com is the website. And um, let's see here. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. That's pretty much where you're going to find us. I'd say Twitter, but don't even bother. I don't really use that anymore or ever, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So um, let's see here. Let's give a little update. Um, bait making. I started painting. That's kind of a big step. But that doesn't mean I have anything ready for the website because it's been like two years since I've had that. But... um Rod holders. Rod holders are pretty much all in stock. I think everything but the S10s. I did a, a quick audit since the last time we talked about it. Uh, the S10 brackets. Um, oh, and the oversized aluminum clamshells. The regular clamshells are are made. They are in stock, but we have to finish up the oversized. But that's about it for the rod holders. Uh, Bait-wise here, we're getting geared up for both the hard baits and the soft plastics. We're getting people asking about the CBW, and we're going to hopefully start making them here. I'm hoping in the next couple of days, but if not then, you know, in the next week to uh, start playing around with those. Um, actually, not playing around with those, like actually making them, making them. And, uh, but they probably won't be available on the website. We'll probably kind of just get stuff made until maybe after the Muskie Max or in a couple months, more or less, what I'm trying to get at here. And, and the, the reason we were in delay is because we were, you know, we had our pro staff using them and uh, we couldn't sell one until a fish was caught on it, you know. Has a fish been caught on it? No. <laughs> but we're uh, we're going to sell it anyway. Let's just say this. Like, did we talk about this openly? And And... Uh, we're gonna no, have our fact. Just, we're no, gonna have our fact checker Andrew I, kind of like. There were some. <laughs> there were some people that like said that. Like what? Uh, it was like a mass-produced bait, and they're like, "Well, well, <clears throat> we had to send this cut this special color out, and it's like just another mix of green and brown and yellow or whatever." And uh, they weren't allowed to uh, sell it until you know the pro staff was just smashing on them. Well, I can tell you this. So, like, remember remember way back when, and this is where Andrew I needs to check us. Um, did we ever talk about what we were going to make a few years ago that involved um, hot dogs? Remember, remember that we Don't. were going to make the hot dog harness? I do. Yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that. And I know you guys talked about the hot dog club or something. Yeah, about the new, and you also talked about the new bait 
fairly recently, but you hinted around it. You didn't actually say what it was. The only way I knew what it was was because I talked to you on the phone. Okay. At one point or another about yeah. something else. We, um, so we, we talked about it on the bait review, the one bait review, uh, the, the CBW. And, um, but anyways, kind of, kind of going on, on with that. We, similar we, to, similar to a hot dog. Yeah. In similar. fact, the only reason why that's coming up in, in, in conversation right now is because I'm holding a throwaway CBW. I don't know how it made mm-hmm. it to the podcast studio bench, but it did. And I, I'm like thoroughly, like if I'm distracted, I'm sitting here stretching it like a toddler. <laughs> so, um, kind of getting back to it. So I want to, okay, I'm all over the place tonight because I already filled Vance in. I feel that we owe the crowd an update of my, my little issue that we had last time. Remember me giving that update about getting raw materials? Absolutely. So Vance already knows this. So um, I, I I was waiting on the, the, the final shipment like the correct shipment of our um, raw material. And it, it has to do with our hard plastic. And uh, so, so I got an update. So after the second shipment that was incorrect, I was waiting on the third shipment that I was told that this man was going to see to it that we got the right thing. So when uh, whatever the UPS or whoever, the delivery driver dropped the box off, I immediately knew that it was wrong because it was a single box. I opened it up. I snapped the photo. I called Vance, which he did not answer. Uh, because you remember I FaceTimed you for this? Uh-huh. And then I FaceTimed you again, and I still got nothing. So I just sent you the photo. And uh, <laughs> it was it was not the right stuff for a third time. It was the same stuff. It was the same stuff, but it wasn't in the yeah. right volume. Right. It was significantly less. So then immediately I took that photo and I emailed it off saying, because I had to do all that jumping through hoops to have them acknowledge that it was an issue. So that was like a week and a half, maybe approaching two weeks ago. Then probably two weeks ago, it's Thursday. And mm-hmm. um, a week goes by. I don't hear from them. So I email them again saying, I want to touch base, making sure this is going somewhere. And you know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on it. Trust us. Well, then another week goes by, and I call them. And I, I talk to a different person, and I explain the situation. They're like, oh, let me go talk to Billy or whatever his name is. And Billy will call you back. About a half hour later, I get an email. This is all happening today. I get another email saying, your shipment has shipped. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Apparently that's what it takes is to say, Hey, I'm not going away. Well then immediately after reading this email, my phone rings and it's Billy and Billy's like, Hey Andy, how's it going? And this and that, Hey, I want to say, I'll tell you, I personally went and made sure that this, this volume of product is being shipped out. I'm like, okay, so you're the one he goes, well, not me personally, but my boss is doing it. But he said personally <laughs> that he would personally see this through. <laughs> Not me personally. And then the you're like, I really? Know. So you're, you're the guy that's going to put the tape on the box. Well, you know. 
<laughs> not me, but someone else, <laughs> my superior to make sure it's done right. So that leads me to believe he was the guy pulling this stuff all along. And they're like, hey, you're going to sit on the bench for this one, Junior. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here, but apparently I'm getting the correct stuff this time. But we'll keep you posted on the next go round because this is insane at this point. It's very insane. And like, it's great for uh, a year where bait making might take a hit uh, because of the recession. Um, because we are getting God knows how much product um, for a different price. This is like this those mystery no boxes. Doing. Yeah. I don't know what's in anyway. it every, every time. So. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna we'll keep you guys posted on that. But that 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 was an update that happened from today. So over two weeks of me um, waiting for some the correct stuff. But anyways, that that's enough AZ for for now. Um, Good stuff. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishandguides.com. Get a hold of Todd and myself. Uh, we are starting in Pennsylvania in April. Pond Tuning Lake, Arthur, um, Conneaut. Edinburgh, wherever you want to go in PA. Um, give us a call, mcfishingguides.com. We'll get you out there, get you on some fish. Um, April through the end of November. Uh, and we will be fishing out a range of boats. Get all your range of boats needs at Vic Sports Center. I'll be up there next week working with Vix and Ranger at the Cleveland Boat Show, that's a big show. Uh, a lot of bodies go through the door there. Um, I'll be doing a seminar every day. I'll be at the Vix booth. You can come over and talk charters, BS about fishing. There's a lot of stuff that happens there. Uh, but it's just a, kind of, it's a fun show. It's a giant show. Uh, and like there's boats you could buy from five grand all the way up to five million there. And uh, it's just a, a nice uh, family outing in the middle of the uh the winter months and uh I'm, i'll be working with uh jason fisher up there that is the famous guy who uh, you've got weights and fish exactly that's him so he's the we got weights and fish guy he's been there for uh for many years as i have but he uh he went over viral uh in the last this last year and it's it's absolutely hilarious so uh, I want to say one one quick thing. Coincidentally, as soon as you said that name, I'm like, oh my gosh! I just listened to him on the Meat Eater podcast. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, isn't that crazy? It is. He, he even mean, mentioned Vix a couple times. Yeah, it's a he's, he's a good dude. He puts on a, a big walleye tournament, obviously, and uh, takes offense to having weights and fish. And um, but yeah, I'll be out there with those guys. Um, and uh, come check us out there. Shout out to Vic. Shout out to Ranger. Shout out to uh, Saint Croix Rods, best rods on earth. If you're in the uh, in the market for a rod right now, give them a fair shake. Uh, along with if uh, along with others too, but I just don't think you can beat their uh, their customer service. Like I said, when you break something, uh, you just take a picture, and they're like, "Okay, we'll send you another one." So that's pretty cool in the fishing industry. Absolutely. It's kind of like what small businesses do. You know, like when, when we get a when we get a, a little like blem or something, 
and the guy's like, well, there's a scratch on this. And we're just like, hey, that's cool. Send it back. We'll send you a new one. It's it's and a it's, lot easier than to... It's just so much easier to do that. Yeah, there's, that's... That stuff can turn into a headache real quick, and it's just sometimes just better just to... Okay, here. Is, is everything good now? Yeah. Um, good stuff. That's it for me. That's oh, uh, the, the uh, New York Muskie Show um, on February 4th and 5th at the Chautauqua Inn and Suites up at Lake Chautauqua. That's going on, being put on by uh, Steve Gould and Zach Baker. Um, check out that show. We're going to be there as well. Um, get up there. It's an earlier show. Uh, there's going to be some uh, happy vendors up there ready to see smiling faces that come in. Uh, Steve Steve puts a lot of effort into this show. I know he's trying his darndest to get it to uh, take off. Um, it's in our backyard, so it's very easy to come to. Uh, and if it's anything like it's been, there's a uh, incredible warm-up up here. People are fishing uh, in this area. So uh, hopefully that that remains and uh, some people can get out there to that New York Muskie show. Good to go. All right, first weekend in March is going to be the Muskie Max Plus. That's a biggie. Um, you know, that that's really right around the corner. We're talking less than eight weeks away. And it's, it's when you put it in perspective, it's like, that's like spring down in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Like stuff is popping and things, you know, we can still have some cold, cooler weather, but we're, we're, we're basically knocking middle January right now. It's, that's it's good. It, it's, it's, I like that. It's kind of insane. It goes. Yeah. But that is a really nice family friendly event. It's at Princescape Arena, Cannonsburg. What is it? The fourth and the fifth in March, I think. I should have. I should look. Yeah, it's it's March fourth, I believe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Andrew goes to that one as well. I was gonna. I was gonna yes. throw that one at him. You coming? Yep, I will be there. What What are Best you gonna be bringing? In the industry. Uh, I will be tentatively planning on bringing uh, sixty four inch bags, thirty two four inch tranks. Uh, approximately 20 deep eights, and I will have hopefully 30 or so of the new five and a half inch glider. Ooh, we're going to talk more about that. But so is that like your typical spread that you bring? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty normal. I basically did um, more or less the same thing I did last year and I upped it up my numbers by, by about 10 to 15%. So, okay, very nice. The goal yeah. is to have like one, one or two baits of each one left over by the end of it. So, that's my goal. Here's here's the real goal. As you're packing up, a person walks by and buys your last bait. That's, yeah, that's the, the goal. My my thought was is if you know it's always nice to sell out and not to have to bring anything home, but then you know you might have left somebody out that showed up to the show to get your bait. I mean, they don't have it. So, you know, to try to, to try to appease everyone that you, you know, cause I've been telling everybody for the last six months, like I'm bringing stuff to the show, come to the show to get it. You know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to sell out in the first 15 minutes and guys get there and be like, well, how are you out of baits already? 
Mm-hmm. Well, so. you could also take our approach and bring several hundred and bring several hundred back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thanks to that. I've seen those boxes. <laughs> that that that's what we typically like to do is just handle these baits so many times. Mm-hmm. But um, you guys work with, those, you guys work those poor football players to death. Oh my gosh, they're so great at the end. So that's what so, I was saying. I was saying like best best flooring in the industry for a show. That oh, it's wonderful. That's yeah, the best. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then like what Andrew was talking about it. Um, at the end of the show, when it's time to pack up, they bring in like the local high school football team players. They're there wearing their jerseys and stuff and they work for tips. So when they come over to our booth and we have like 600 rod holders assembled and they're all in totes and they're all Wait like, they don't work for tips. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what have we ever tipped them. I've yes, we have. Them. Okay. Thank God. Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's to help like fundraise. Oh yeah. It's a fundraiser. Okay. It's a fundraiser for the team. It, it, right, like, it's not for them personally. Like, Hey, give me some money. I had no idea. I had no idea that. I just, it was shocking because I was like, oh crap, like I never like reached for a five or something. It was like, here, kid. Yeah. Go that, buy yourself some beer. That's right. This will make <laughs> you better on Friday night. Yeah. Um, like, that cash is cool, but do you have any chewing tobacco? <laughs> do you have any unregistered firearms? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any guns, alcohol, or tobacco? <laughs> Yes, we have all three. Matter of fact, which pocket do you want to grab? <laughs> so, uh, anyways, this podcast is getting blacklisted already. <laughs> well, <laughs> but anyways, oh, crap, yeah, because they're underage. That's terrible. I mean, that's a complete joke. No, the, the, the seniors. <laughs> I, I checked their ID. They're over like, the age of eighteen, and they're only well, asking for long, <laughs> long guns and shotguns. Okay. But that still doesn't help the uh, the alcohol part of it. We we don't we have never seen anybody at the Musky Max give underagers alcohol. Let's just, well, let's just say this: I don't have to worry because I'm not that guy. If you mm-hmm. listen to previous ones, I'm the designated driver to go the three blocks to the hotel room. Yeah, you're the DB, and we usually don't have any left because Todd and I drank it all. And the other thing is I have to randomly drive through this town with double GPSs yelling at me. Yeah, that's just, that's just true. That's just true. Anyways, I want to get, finish this up. But we got a guest, and we're really horrible today. That's <laughs> uh, all good. So anyways, these football, this football team is working for tips for the thing, uh, for the foot, you know, the, whatever they need money for in the football team. And... Our our stuff is so heavy because we just pack so much and the grid wall's so big and so many totes that we just get them and they all carry it out and I'm just like you know carrying my coat feeling like very, I'm very rich so they work for their money that that's the whole the whole joke of giving the football team a workout so anyways yeah why why does our stuff suck so bad why can't we have a nicer booth like Andrew probably just like walks in with a backpack and he's ready to go. Yeah, and then it just it fills up with cash and he walks out. That's right. We're like 
We have these insane heavy grid walls that like apparently were designed around Todd's like two trucks that trucks ago. Well, the, like the, originally like, in like a six four bed. <laughs> that 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 has served us well for many years, just because it kind of the, the issue is is we we make too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 like Andrew said, you hate to have someone come in like, hey, you got mud puppy? Nope, I brought two, and they're both gone. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've been trying to cut back, but it just doesn't seem to work. Um, but. Yeah. Anyways, uh, anyway. So with that, I hope I hope everyone can mark their calendars and uh, meet us down there at uh, Princescape Arena. Great show, Andrew. Now we're going to talk to yes, you sir. after we've rambled about nonsense. <laughs> That's all right. I'm an instigator. Okay. Um, t- tell us. Tell tell people how to uh, who you are and how to find you, and then we're going to jump into the questions. Um, Andrew, I'm on Facebook. Um, that's a Facebook page, and then uh, I'm not sure if anybody wants that. Just you'll see random bait pictures. But uh, most of my stuff I get posted in my private sales group, which is a Spray Bomb Bait Company. Um, that's the the best way to reach me uh, is is through Facebook. That's pretty much how everybody gets a hold of me. Um, try to keep everything there, so it's just everything's all on one platform. I do have an Instagram page that I I check very randomly and not very often um one social media is enough to keep up with so um yeah and uh, i always bring a lot of baits to musky max that's the uh that's the only show i've ever done that's probably the only one i'll continue to do until i do this full time one day if that day ever comes but um it's uh it's really easy to uh build up inventory and then bring them to the show and guys can put their hands on them and I just I like that sales format and it's nice to shake people's hands and let them get to know you so that's why I, I, I do a lot of my stuff on there um, and then in my private sales group if I make stuff throughout the year I'll throw it up um, most of it is done as most people know the DK style or the draw to draw to buy style um, I try to keep limited to that make it as fair as possible that's cool. I mean, I would consider you a small batch. Exactly. Yeah. You you said you 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 know when you uh you were talking about how many baits you were bringing, you you literally listed everything. So whoever listens to this, that's how how much is going to be there. That's like one tote for us that we have one of those football players slaving over. But but the and, difference uh, is is he probably leaves with nothing, and we leave with all of ours. Yeah, but I, I think it's admirable for somebody that makes a small batch of lures that uh, people will come to find out uh, throughout this podcast that are that are sought after. Still gets up and goes and says hello to people and meets them uh, where, when he can just stay at home and he literally could sell everything right on He the could internet. just collect checks and smoke cigars. Mm-hmm. So is, that, yeah, is that accurate? I, just wanna, I, I tip my cap to Andrew for uh, for doing that. I think uh, I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, Vance Vance knows. I you know I like to get out and meet people, talk to people, fish with people. You know, it's uh, it's part of the fun to me because this is this is pretty much strictly for fun um, as of right now. So uh, that's the way I want to keep it. And um, 
you know, just offer offer guys a custom made bait and customer service to go with it. And uh, you know, I wish I could make more, but it's a hobby, so I try to I try to not to take too much time away from family and other important things. But uh, you know, if I can grind it out and and make as many many baits as I can for the show, that's that's what I'm gonna do. Um, you know, it's like I say, it's nice to meet people in person. Uh, talk to them, get to know them, know how they fish, understand what they like and don't like. And, uh, and I think, you know, as, as somebody that buys a lot of baits too, um, cause I do, I, you know, I try to support other custom makers as well. And putting your hands on something is, is always way better than what the pictures you're going to see on the internet. I couldn't agree sometimes more. Sometimes baits are, sometimes baits are way overrated versus, some are way underrated. Uh, you know, you get some and you're like, wow, that looks even better than it did in the picture. That's always my goal. Um, and I know a lot of bait makers, you know, that's their goal too, is to try to sell the best thing that they can come up with. And I think it's easier done at the show when somebody can put their hands on it. And, you know, you, you, you're not going to have, you're not going to have guys pick up baits at the show and be like, well, I don't like this or have a complaint about it. It's because they've already seen it in person and, I know they want it. So. They made a real time decision based off of what they like are taking in immediately. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. All right, Andrew. As has Andrew shopped at our place? I just want to call him out on that. Every year. Okay, my man. <laughs> last year, last year's purchase was a ten-inch soft tail, which I really like. And then I asked Andy for more of them. I think that might have been one of our conversations over the phone because <laughs> he didn't have them on the website. No, I'm sure I... you followed up with that. <laughs> <laughs> how many? How many do you have now, Andrew? Uh, Raptors. I have at no. Least... I mean, ten-inch soft tails. Oh, ten-inch soft tails. I believe I have two or three now. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I have I have two or three of every bait you guys make. Andy's a dog; he's making sales behind my back. Well, I just want to. <laughs> I, I just got up out of my chair to look. I have seven ten-inch soft tails, okay, and three of them are of the same color. So, our, <laughs> everyone's uh, talking about I'm, I'm, volume. I'm That's shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked because our marketing is just unbelievable. Impeccable. Well, the other thing that's kind of shocking about this, and I'm, I hope I'm not giving too much away. At one point, I had every ten and ten inch soft tail sold in one, like one fail swoop that fell through. So, oh. here we are with everything still here. Dang. <laughs> but anyways, um, okay. So Andrew, sticking with how how we handle guests here. Tell us, tell us how like you got to where you are today. Tell us your history of fishing. History of fishing. Um, so, I currently live in North Central Virginia, um, fairly close to DC. I say close, but hour an hour away at least. Um, and I grew up in a place called Harrisonburg, which is in northwestern Virginia, and. Uh, I started fishing with my granddad, uh, probably like most did, you know, go out dig some worms and grab a couple bobbers and use Zebco 33 and you uh, take home whatever you catch and throw it in the skillet. Um, that's what he did. And 
that's how he taught us. And uh, then we, uh, as we got a little bit older, he started taking us trout fishing, which most people in Western PA are very familiar with. Um, but he was, he happened to be a fly fisherman, um, which as a kid, you know, you can't really master that art. So you were using the, the power bait or the trout magnets and uh, eventually started getting into some of the fly stuff. Um, probably by the time I was in high school, I got really heavy into fly fishing. It was like go fly fishing in the morning, go to school, leave school, go fly fishing in the evening. If, if ride a bicycle if you had to. Um, we always, my brother and I, always fly fish for trout and started making my own, find my own flies. Got into it pretty heavily. Um, then graduated from that, went to uh, smallmouth and largemouth, and did quite a bit of farm ponds, local reservoirs, that type of thing. Still bank and didn't really have a boat, had a kayak, but uh, nothing fancy. Uh, did a lot of that through college, um, a lot of smallmouth, and because the, that was on the New River, which is a pretty popular river in Virginia. Um, graduated college, uh, did a lot of heavily heavy smallmouth fishing, and then um, one day on the river, we uh, we were throwing spinnerbaits for bass, and I had uh, muskie come in and follow and just smoke a bass spinnerbait and ended up getting it in the boat surprisingly it was like a little 24 inch snot rocket style musky um very excited didn't had no clue as to what to do we didn't even know they were in the river that we were fishing um we did just you have any idea about what this did you have any idea that this was a a, a musky no we didn't i didn't know what it was at first at first i thought it was a pike because we had seen i'd seen those before um, and the guy I was fishing with knew it was a muskie though. He's like, that's a muskie. I was like, really? Well, I, you know, we just didn't, there just wasn't a ton of knowledge on it in the river that we fished in. Um, and we were always bass fishing. So we just, you know, you just don't know about them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyway, like that led to me going home and starting to do some research and asking around and like, well, I'm going to start targeting these things. Like that first year, we just, we absolutely crushed it because that was back in 2005 ish. And, uh, as you guys probably know, I mean, musky musky world wasn't very big then. Um, and the, but the fishing was very good. Uh, there just wasn't, there wasn't hardly anybody fishing for them then. Not, not like there is now, but, uh, the only place we knew to get lures was Raleigh and Helens. I don't even know how we came across that, but, Somehow we came across Raleigh and Helens and we got, uh, you know, I'd subscribed to their paper catalogs. And, you know, that was like, that was like getting the old school Cabela's catalogs. When you got one of those, you just sit and look at it for hours. Do they still do that? I believe that they do. I think I still get one. I don't know if I do. Not Cabela's, but Raleigh and Helen. Yeah, I believe, I believe I still get one. I think. I remember, I remember getting them like back in that time of like oh five, and the internet. I mean, we're not that old, but the internet was around. Definitely, but definitely web it, it, web, page, web pages weren't as quick and and things like that. So print media was still around. Oh five, yeah. 
I was a junior in high school. And I remember <laughs> uh, getting those catalogs and taking pens and circling what I wanted. And then oh, yeah. we'd give it to my parents because obviously you're not making any type of like livable wage at that point. So, uh, but yeah, that's unless a, that's you nice carry blast. totes at a musky show. This is true. This is true. Yeah. We, yeah. And that's, that's exactly how I was getting baked. It was like, it was Christmas or birthdays. Like I just gave mm-hmm. everybody a list and like, this is what I wanted, whether it be a rod or real or, you know, whatever the case it was, mostly, uh, hellhounds. Uh, we loved, we loved hellhounds. I have I have and, one that's retired, but go ahead. Yeah, I have a couple that uh, you can't tell what color they are anymore. And, uh, that was just a, that you know we had a few of those staple baits, and it was it wasn't the fact that they were that good; it was the fact that we that was all we could afford, or that's all we knew that worked. So that's what we used. Um, and as time went on, you know, you eventually run into a few more anglers out, and you learn from them. Um, and then I would always take a friend of me and a friend would always go, we would take like a week or two off in the fall. I don't know why we picked fall, but that was just like, that was the time we wanted to go. So we would take a couple weeks off in the fall and then we would go fish the Danes river and the new river, which were further away from us, but better musky fisheries. And, uh, we go fish those a lot in those two weeks. Like it was, it was like, get up at three in the morning, fish all day, till after dark and then go to sleep and rinse and repeat it was it was like our it was like our our musky week like a lot of guys do and uh always had a lot of fun doing that and one year we went to west virginia and stopped at some gas station randomly in west virginia and the gas station sold musky baits so of course you know being the musky fishermen we are we got a good look at them and there was a hot tail hot tail glider there and that was my first non Raleigh and Helen's custom bait. Um, Anthony Ashby makes those and, uh, you know, they're really, they're really popular in the rivers. And ended up your first wood bait. I believe it would have been my first wood bait. Yeah. So I've got one of those, um, ended up going out and like getting a four footer that day with it. It was just, I was just blown away. Now you're hooked. And, Terrible pun. Oh yeah. Now, now the real, like, you know, this is another, this pun. is like, uh, well, yeah, this a, is like five years real. into the musk. It, it, this, but also like prior to this, how did you know you were like me and my buddy, we were just like, we took the weeks off in the fall. In the fall. How did you know mm-hmm. that that was like the time to go, even though sometimes it's really not the time to go, but that's your best chance for these big fat things. How did you know yeah, that we, that was like? We just always, we just always caught, seem to do better in the fall. Um, you know, you get the, the change in the season, I guess, is what we liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely weren't successful all the time. Because, like, you know, we would move the dates around a little bit. Sometimes we'd go in October. Sometimes we'd go in November. Mm-hmm. We tend to do better in November than we did in October. October, the water's usually too low and clear and the, you see a lot of fish, but you can't you can't convince them to eat. So pretty pretty good. I mean, just pretty good starting point for people that are uh, completely new back in that you know time of '05 to whenever it was. So yeah, yeah. We just uh, that was always what we settled on, and uh, 
like I say, sometimes we were successful. We had really good weeks and sometimes we didn't. And, and we're, you know, we we're pretty still, still pretty dumb at this point looking back, but um, we're just uneducated, I should say. Um, but after I caught one on the hot tail, then it was like, that was like when the real, like, that's when, that's when you're like, oh, maybe I need help. But, you know, you don't, you don't do that. You just keep getting, you get, you get, you go further down the rabbit hole. Well, you, that, you, wait, you said, Maybe I need help. <laughs> yes, you like, start, like you, professional you start, help. So you, go, you go out and you catch a giant fish and you're like, maybe I need help. Because you just <laughs> well, you know what's going to happen. A, a lot of people would be like, I'm the greatest. No, oh, like, no, no. Right. You know, yeah. Right after that. Yeah. That, that was definitely the feeling then. But then like, you know, the weeks after that where you're like, you're now you're obsessed with it. You're, you're jonesing you and, and you need professional yeah. help to. To, to help you uh, scratch the itch to get your fix. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. an addiction well, so, thing. Well, so I, I didn't know where to get, I didn't know where to get these baits. Like, you know, I bought it at the gas station. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, a, a random gas station in West Virginia, that was a long ways away from my house. So I'm like, I don't know where to get any more of these baits. So Road trip. I started looking on, yeah. Well, I started looking on Facebook. I'm like, what is I found, I found he actually had a Facebook page and this is when I discovered that there was, I was probably a little late to the party. Um, but I discovered that there was musky baits on Facebook and then it was just like, Oh no, this is, this is not good. Cause then you were just, then you found the raffle pages and you, you know, all the bait makers pages and all that. And it just, it just, it just goes downhill real quick. And, uh, we went, we ended up that same year. We, friend of mine he's like you know there's a muskie show up in pennsylvania and i'm like really let's go so we hopped in the car and uh went up there and that was like sensory overload you know being being the hillbilly from virginia and not having you know reputable muskie shops or anything like that nearby we just didn't know anything like that existed and uh we went and you know you come home you know thousand dollars poor and uh with a bunch of muskie baits and you, you started getting into the whole the whole custom custom bait world like that and it's just it's an investment it, it's, it's a wild ride yeah what yeah, year was, would what year would you say that you uh, bounced into uh, the Facebook pages and like came up to your first musky show uh, I believe the first max that I went to was it was either 17 or 18. is so that that little the, hotel? It might have been one of the first ones. No, it was in Cannonsburg, I think. Was it was it by the airport though? No, I think it was at where it's at now. No and I think it okay. might have been the first year that they were there. Okay. This might have been closer to eighteen then. Yeah, it might have been eighteen. So anyway, we I, I had the first show and the, the the figuring out Facebook thing, like I had found a couple bait makers on Facebook, but I didn't really know all of them, or you know, not as many as what I know now. But anyway, we were at the show, but we couldn't sleep. We got up there Friday night and we couldn't sleep. Like we were just so excited to go. We were pumped to go. This month. We're like, we can't believe we're going to a musky show. You know, I've never been to one of these. So we get up, we get up at like six, and 
and uh, decide we're going to go down just to check it out because we've never been before. We're like, just, they're not going to open until nine, but we'll go. We'll go mess around, find some breakfast, and all that. We get down there, and there's like this line out the door, <laughs> and we're like, we're just like, what? What is this? So we go get in line, like, you know, and we're pretty dumb at this point. And the guy behind us is like, are you guys here for bakers? And we just look at this guy dumbfounded. We're like, what's a baker? And he's like, you guys don't know what a baker is? And you came to the show? We're like, no, we have no idea what a baker like is. Like muffins, bagels? like Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so so he he explains what Baker Bates is to us. And, you know, we're just we're, – we're just – on system overload at this point. Tell me it was Gear and, Man. Uh, Tell God. me it was Gear Man that did that. <laughs> I, you I know, have, you know, you know who it is. If like you get in that early line, it's like the same people all the time. Yeah, I have no idea what this guy's name was. All I knew was he was telling us about this custom maker and that custom maker, and you got to go to this booth first, and you got to go to this booth next, and like he was like, give us a rundown on how to get. Like the most sought after baits, like right away. He We're pulled out like, a he put out a floor out map here. and he has the dotted lines on in numbers. Here, yeah, here, he here. I'm pretty we sure just like, we know who this is. Oh, and it, it, the crazy part, this guy pulled like he had to have had like five grand in his pocket. Like mm-hmm. he pulled it out and showed it to us. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to get all this, this, and this. We were just like, we were just totally blown away. But anyway, so we went. What in a, what a, what a great uh, character move to uh, pull out a lot of cash. Oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just it was it was quite an experience. Mm-hmm. And we go to the of course we go to Baker's first, and uh, you know we get our we get our uh, limited. I, th- I don't think he had a limit then. I don't think I think it was unlimited. Either that or it was lim- limited that year or something like that. But anyway. We went to Baker's and got our Baker's first, and then you know proceeded to walk around the show, and uh, it was it was amazing. I mean, really, looking back on it, I mean, it's, if if anybody doesn't know that that show exists they really, or they haven't been, they really need to go. I mean, it's it, it's it's a little overwhelming, honestly. But uh, yeah, we were all excited, and you know, I'd say couple months go by and uh you know you're fishing all these custom baits some work some don't and um some you like some you don't and i started just started looking into some of this like i think i can do this because i grew up my 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 granddad that didn't take me fishing um he had a woodworking shop that's what he did when he retired and uh so i spent a lot of time building furniture and other stuff with him. So I was very familiar with the wood shop. And uh, I had always had a little bit of that in me as well. My dad does the same. We both have pretty nice woodworking shops. Um, you know, I have enough equipment to build furniture, as does my dad. And I'm just kind of like, I had been buying some of this equipment used at yard sales or auctions or whatever. I had gradually accumulated all this right after I bought my house because I like to fix stuff myself or build things. And um, Anyway, so I, I had a woodworking shop almost pretty well full board that I could do some of this stuff. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to give this a try. So I just kind of started messing around and making my own stuff. You know, you you look at some of the baits that you like and you kind of you get ideas from those. Um, you know, I believe that's how a lot of guys start. They have a bait that's their favorite. Mine was a hellhound. Um, so naturally, I went towards glides, and uh, play around with them. 
and the gas station bait. I mean, you're trying to figure yep. out how to to re recreate this gas station bait. You know. Yeah, yeah. I never did actually cut one in half because I guess I was just a, such a fan of the bait. Like, didn't want to cut one in half to actually see how they were made. But um, you know, I suppose somebody could do that if they really felt obliged. But um, anyway, I just leaned towards the gliders and started playing around, and I've got. I've got giant crates full of prototypes and failures and odds and ends nonsense that uh, that took me a while to get going. And they're not failures; was... they're ways that didn't work. It, yes, exactly. Hmm. That's interesting. You say that, Andy, when you moved to your house, your new house where you're at right now, and I was, you were like, "This is all garbage," and it was like the first like rafters <laughs> and like the all first of the page. originals. <laughs> I was like, wait, I was like, this is like history. I should keep this and like get it out now. I'm throwing it away. <laughs> yeah, I have I have two I have I think it's three giant crates full of stuff that is just all trash. And I keep looking at it, I'm like, you need to burn that. You need to throw that that needs to go in the wood stove, which is where a lot of stuff goes. And uh yeah, I I think probably every bait maker has has a few of those boxes sitting around. You, you, it, sometimes it's fun to go back and look through them and you're like what was i thinking on that one but how uh, did i think this was good that's yeah, what i said yeah and you definitely thought it was good oh but i thought i was cutting at, edge at, at the time like I, I i look back at the times that like my first time painting and i was like <laughs> i really thought that like this was okay but it was not okay yeah, Nothing. it was terrible. <laughs> so I had made this. I made this ten-inch glider probably late, late 2018, 19, somewhere in that neighborhood, or maybe it was early 2018, something like that. I had made this ten-inch glider, and I got you know it did what I wanted it to do. So I took it out and uh, went fishing with my buddy, and I couldn't have been like more than three casts in, and fish smokes it. And I'm that when you do that, that just takes you that takes you right back to either catching that first one, you know, same same deal as catching that first one on somebody's custom bait, you know, a new bait that you found. It just it's a it's a different kind of feeling. And the and the one that you catch on your own bait that you made from a scrap piece of wood really sends it into overdrive for you. And uh you know, still to this day for me there's you know it's super exciting to catch something on one that you made. And, uh, you know, then you get, then you get to the point where you're like, well, I want other guys to catch on my baits too, because, you know, I, I've gotten to the point now where I still get a lot. I get a, quite a few fish pictures every week and, uh, I get excited for every one of them because I know how excited that guy was to catch that fish and it, it, and it spills over to me. That's for sure. Cause it's, uh, you know, it makes you proud of what you've done and, it's just uh, you feel like you got the assist, so to speak. Assist points it's, are good. Uh, it's kind of been, it's kind of been, it's been uh, the ball's been rolling ever since, and I've got a lot of different styles of baits now because there's no such thing as a perfect musky bait. I mean, there's different baits yeah. for different applications, but one doesn't fill all the voids. So you I haven't seen the uh, CBW yet, though. 
This, yes. <laughs> yeah. Let us make you eat your words here shortly. <laughs> Prepare to be blown yeah. away. You bastard. <laughs> that's actually, that's, that bait's near the top of my... Near the top of my show wish list this year, so I will probably be walking home with a pack or two of those. <laughs> Thank God. That's that's going to be what three or six less than I have to carry back or pay someone I, to walk out with. If I if I sell one, I'm going to look across at Andy with like huge eyes. Like, can you believe this? Somebody just bought this. Thing. We are going to have to bag these things up. Because if not, there's going to be a lot of inappropriate motions. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to... There's going to be like probably, a little saying, I'm going to give this to you, but you need to promise not. if you're going to do something, don't direct it at us. Yeah. <laughs> we can't let Todd near those things. Like, he will be playing like crazy. <laughs> I, I had something I wanted to say that I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm right. But, go, uh, go to the go to the Fat AZ booth to get your brown bag special. <laughs> hey kid, can I interest uh, you in some worms? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I think it's neat that uh, you're you're uh, just that that transition that you're like catch a two footer, buy a gas station bait. Go to this no I have no idea show. Talk to this person that shows you five thousand dollars. Go in and are just like, whoa, this is crazy. And you know, a short three years later, you're making the correct decisions where you're also a bait maker yourself. How the turntables have turned. How the turntables and uh, you know, if, if you do that, like you you make the right decisions. You say, like, this is good, this is bad. Uh, you end up making a pretty good date, which is cool. Um, and now you are a vendor. Yep. It's uh, it's kind of wild when you think about from where you where you started to where you're at now. And it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a wild ride. And I guess, you know, I, I've had a lot of help along the way. And so, so I was working right out of college. I worked at a... Uh, a large commercial greenhouse and uh because I, I actually have a degree in horticulture which is probably sounds strange but um i've basically grown plants and i grew a lot of plants so it was actually a 40 acre greenhouse so it was very large um we grew commercially for like lowe's and home depots when you buy your plants there that's where they come from but anyway i worked a job there um actually worked there for seven years after college time to fish was very limited. Um, just that, that job was very demanding. Um, you just didn't leave a lot of time to, for extracurricular activities or anything like that. Plus I was, you know, I'd bought a house and got married and all that. So you just, you just don't have a ton of time for building baits or going fishing. But I, uh, I ended up leaving there after seven years and I got a job as a, uh, sales rep so i sold i sold a lot of the things that growers need in order to grow plants so your your seed your fertilizer pesticides all that so that's what i do now actually my my real job and 
what happened was is I do a lot of traveling for that job. So I was traveling the entire East Coast pretty much. And at the same time, coinciding with all the, you know, the finding out about the Facebook musky world that that existed, um, I would randomly like if like uh, I would buy bait from somebody. And uh, so I'll, I'll use I'll use Mike as an example. Uh, Fred Holder, as Andy likes to call him. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so Mike was actually one of the one of my first victims. Um, I had bought I had bought a bait from him off of Facebook. And I got it. And uh, honestly, were you, honestly, were you, were you disappointed, like how uh, we all are when when you get back from him? Yeah, honestly, like, when I opened that box, I like I was just like, "What is this? Like, this is insane! Like, I've <laughs> never, I've never seen a box of bait this way. I have, and then you take the bait out, and you're just like, "Well, this is just absolutely incredible! Like, this guy polished the freaking bill on this bait. Like, this is nuts." I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, I was like, who is this guy? Get a business, you know, a nice little business card in there. It was just like, like, I had never received a custom bait like that before. Mm -hmm. So I just happened to notice his address on the box. And uh, I had watched, I think I'd watched one of his original YouTube videos and uh, we'd kind of been chatting back and forth. But I said, dude, this could be weird, but would you mind if I stopped by and met you sometime? I actually travel for work and uh, I've got a customer that's in your neighborhood. He's like, well, yeah, sure. Come on by. Yeah. So I think that was actually the first, one of the, one of the first bait makers outside of Virginia that I ever met. And, uh, you know, Mike and I have been, been friends ever since. And he's, he's been a huge influence. And uh, I kind of, I kind of contribute, uh, I kind of continued that by uh, trying to hook up with other people on Facebook, being like, hey, I'm going to be in this area. Uh, Does anybody fish here or anybody got an open boat seat or something like that? Um, You know, and as as some people bought baits and stuff, they'd invite me to come fishing or whatnot. So you end up, you just end up meeting a ton of people and making a, having a huge network. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's probably a body of water on the East Coast that I couldn't find somebody to go fishing with. And then he gave them day. So that's, you know, I, I really took advantage of that. And I still do from time to time. Um, try to go out and, uh, you know, fish with some of these people when I'm on the road. Because, you know, when you're on the road, you're, you're by yourself. You're staying in a hotel. Well, you get done with work at the day, at the end of the day at four or five o'clock. And you you just find somebody to go fishing with, even if it's for, for a couple hours. And I think it's really helped me because, um you go fishing with all these different people and fish different bodies of water and you see what baits they're using You figure out what they like, what they don't like. Um, you know, for trolling, for instance, I was never a troller in Virginia. Like, I don't think hardly anybody trolls here. Um, there's just not the water for it. And, uh, you know, going out with Vance or a, a few other guys, you learn so much about trolling. And then when you do go, you're kind of like, well, I want a bait that I can take of my own. Like, I don't want to, I mean, no offense to other bait makers, but if I'm out fishing with Vance, I don't want to run somebody else's bait. I want to run my bait. Um, and what do we run? And we run my baits. We run all spread. Fat AZ baits. Trolling yeah. rafters. <laughs> Trolling <laughs> rafters. Yeah. So, so that's where that's where like a lot of my, 
you know, the glides are definitely my thing for the river, but then a lot of the other models come from, you know, me going somewhere and fishing somewhere, learning something new somewhere. A lot of my trolling baits, uh, you know, Vance has helped me. Mike's helped me. Uh, I have a couple other friends in, in Western PA that, that troll quite a bit and I'll go with them. And uh, I've gone with Chase in West Virginia. He trolls a little bit too. Um, but you learn a lot from those when you, when you're actually out there on the water. Um, you know, Vance is always a great teacher because you always like to teach. That's what you, that's what you, you always tell people that like, I'm, I'm here to teach you. So, um, you know, and you, and you do the same with bait makers too. You've had, you've had plenty of them on your boat and, you know, you're willing to, you're willing to give any of us your honest opinion on it. And I, I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, that helps you too, because you're going to have, you're going to have a network of good bait builders that will make you exactly what you want. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a work, it's a working relationship. I mean, it's, yeah, it's great. Uh, just to, and when I, I see somebody that wants to like push the envelope and go outside of the comfort zone. So early in your uh, tenure of making baits, like why would you make a crankbait? You know, you are, you're, you're, you're in glider country that you're like, mm-hmm. I want to test this. I want to see, see what I can do. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I mean, whether you're Andrew I, Fred Holder, or just one of my clients, I'm there to teach regardless. But um, to want to make a crankbait in, in, w- with the demographic is uh, that's something. Um, it, and it would be like if, if we wanted to try to get into the crankbait, uh, we, the crankbait market, we'd never do it. I mean, we, we, we've talked about that as a company and just said no. And because it it's is suicide for hard, us, it is hard to do. Yes. And, uh, so to do that, um, is, is really cool. And the crankbaits have been successful. And they've caught fish on extremely bad days that we've had, uh, like fish catching wise, like just say weather or whatever the BS is. Um, But we, you know, on the boat, we figured something out and this looks good. That doesn't look good. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, But uh, to, to have a gem and then to push the envelope, on something that's completely foreign is cool. And uh, continue talking about that, that crank thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's a challenge that, that that's for sure. You know, when you go from a glide to a crank um, and it's been like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, a glide, I feel like you make one and it either does what you want it to do or it doesn't. And you can move on from that really quickly. Um, and maybe that's just because it's, maybe it's because of what I'm most familiar with and I understand the, the mechanics of it. But with a crank, like the first, I mean, it basically took 
that six inch, the my six inch crank, I would say I've probably, I probably had it with you on at least two trips. So that's two annual trips. So probably two years working on that thing, you know, just getting mm-hmm. it just right mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, getting it to catch fish. And it was yeah, almost I, the same timeline for the four inch. I mean, that four inch was like, I thought, I thought when I had the, the six inch good and I was like, Oh, I can make it. I can make a four inch easy. Like that's, that should be no problem. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you got to start all over again. And it, it is incredible to work that a good trolling crank takes. Uh, let's just, just talk about the bait lineup. It's wood. Mm-hmm. It's it, their cedar baits, correct? Yep, cedar. Okay, so that that's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Yep, cedar because your wood's inconsistent. So. Right. Like if you, if Andy, Todd, and myself were making all these casting lures with wood, there would be a lot less. There would be a lot more testing, and like. Andy, when did the light bulb go on? And and by by no means should you do this, Andrew. Mm-hmm. When did the light bulb go on to be like, we're not doing wood. This is terrible. Like the I'm not I'm not messing with this stuff. What like day two? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, and I know I know that answer, but I just want people to it is realize the cl- classic. I'm punting on second down move. Yes, because it is that much harder to get something dialed in with wood, which Andrew is doing mm-hmm. uh, at at this point. And and I mean, it's just it's a butt kicker. Yeah, it is. It, it is. There's so many inconsistencies in wood, but um, it. I think sometimes at the end of the day, though, that just just knowing what I know about the market, sometimes guys really like those, prefer those wooden baits just for that inconsistency. Because sometimes you're going to get, you know, you go out and buy 10 wood baits made by the same maker and all basically same material, everything should be the same, and you're still going to have one that doesn't run the same as the others. There's just always that inconsistency and that's probably what drove Andy mad um just because the density of the wood's going to vary even if you're using top shelf lumber um which most everybody does I mean you're still going to have it still baffles me I can I so I hand weight a lot of my gliders for that reason um which is sounds like a pain and it really is but it's the most consistent way to get it to swim the way it's supposed to do. Um, because if you do, a lot of times if you do set amounts, your wood's going to change or you're going to get a lighter piece of wood or heavier piece of wood and it's going to change that bait entirely. So there's still a decent amount of hand weighting that you have to do. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting everything on a scale. Even, even on top of that, I still scale everything just because I want to see where they're at. And, uh, you know, to tr- try to get as consistent as I can, and uh, it, it would surprise it would surprise you what the variance in wood can be, and even even when you're buying cabinet grade maple or cabinet grade cedar, it's it's still wild. Um, you know, you could probably get around that with some PVC board, which I've played with that, and 
played with some of the AZEC decking type stuff. Um, you know, that, that stuff's all pretty consistent, but I think at the end of the day, that sometimes that little bit of inconsistency can be the fish catcher too. And I, I think, I think guys have, when you're in the custom bait world too, I think they have an appreciation for some of the wood stuff. I think there's, you know, there's a certain crowd that likes that, so to speak. Now, me personally, I just like working with wood. Uh, it's just the, I like the smell of sawdust. It, it does something for me. It's very organic. Yeah. It, it, it uh, feels right. I mean, I, I agree with all that. I just, it's one of those things, it's, it's not easy to quickly replicate things out of wood. Anything no. with intri- in- I, intricacy. So, so I brought, I brought a bait up with, when I was up with Vance last time uh, that I started playing, I, I kept getting a lot of requests for a diving rise. A lot of guys that run my glides, they wanted a diving rise. And I'm like, well, I don't make diving rise baits. I don't, I don't really fish diving rise baits. And I have a wall full of rafters, which aren't really diving rise baits, but they're jerk bait, so to speak. Um, and, 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 and what did you do after I uh, uh, threatened to kill you and say you copied us? <laughs> he dialed nine one and then was about to yeah. push the last one before you struck him in the face. Yeah, I phoned up the I phoned, I phoned up my well known bait lawyer. Yeah. There you go. No, yeah. But uh, I found out with that bait really quick, and I, I so I feel Andy's pain because I cut a bunch. I cut like a ten of those blanks out. It was tough, but like we got it to. Continue. I know where you're going with this, but yeah, yeah. So I cut out ten of those links, and I had to wait written down of the original. Like I had everything, I had everything I needed to duplicate the original. And I was like, well, I want to do a, I want to do a run to see, like how how, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How replicable is this? Like, can I do this every time? The same. Yeah. Yeah. What's the consistency on a bait like this going to be? And uh, the first time, first first run of those I made, I was just like, like, well, I went out to test them. <laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs> you know, I'm going to add months to this some, build of of thirty baits. Yeah, some some sink, some float. It's just like, what in the world? Like, yeah, this this is a whole different. This is a whole different level of challenge. But you know, I that kind of stuff. Like when when I do that. I don't know if it's something in my brain or what. I just, when I do that and I have that kind of failure, then I'm like, well, now I got to go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, like now it's game on. Like this was a total mess, but how, how am I going to figure out a way to do this? So, you know, went back to the shop and tinkered around. And I finally, I've got something that I like. Um, and, and I think I know how to produce it because that's the thing. Like you watch marling baits or, you know, those, those one-off guys and you can make a good bait one time but when you start when you want to sit down and you want to build 150 baits for a musky mac like that's a that's a different world of mm-hmm. bait building that has its own set of challenges yeah you, you you set yourself up for challenges by uh doing the crankbait and then making a really small one and then saying i'm going to make a wooden jerk bait i mean Wooden jerk baits almost made me not musky fish. Yeah, and I I used them all the time. They, they I mean they've been 
notoriously terrible since I started doing it. And my uncles and everybody that else has done it, they are inconsistent. And when I picked up my first one to throw, I was like, this sucks. Like, no wonder <laughs> people don't do this. And this is a wooden bait. And this is pre-epoxy and all that stuff. Uh, it just is a workhorse. Um, so you're, you're, uh, you're trying to broaden all these things uh, with, like, two really tough, tough things. You know, you could have just been like, yeah. I, find, I, I got a glider. A glider is also a pain in the butt to make. The weight that correctly, Andy can talk about that like crazy. <laughs> um, but then, you know, let's make an extremely small crankbait. Let's make a jerk bait out of wood. I mean, this is why the, the inconsistency in a jerk bait, and Andy might be able to touch touch on this a little bit, is with that wood inconsistency where people are trying to. Uh, find like a happy medium is this external harness or the external weight uh on them mm -hmm. um and that always drove me crazy personally as an angler um but uh it's it's kind of circled back and it, it is it is very it's kind of how people are trying to um you know like i said find that happy medium with the with the uh, i think that the external weight right. thing is making lemonade I just, I look at it as if you're trying to make a bait that does a certain thing, and we're just going to pick on the jerk bait. Let's just say you're trying to make a wood bait neutrally buoyant. You're going to have so much time invested into each one. It is almost easier to say, I'm going to give threaded inserts in this bait, and I'm going to market this as, um, Look at this is a shallow jerk bait, but if you add these weights to get to the depth or the action you want, you make it your own. You can fine tune this, and and that is yeah. a really good. And I'm not saying they're wrong, and I'm not saying that it's right either. I'm just saying it is what it is. It's it's a classic. Listen, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm trying to make a bait at a price point. I'm not going to hit that price point if I'm spending an hour adding and drilling out lead. And oh my gosh! For every piece of wood. For every piece of wood, and just because you you might hit the weight correctly doesn't mean that wood isn't dense on the one end and it and it acts all dumb. It, it's it, it is just like I said, you can have a acceptable running bait. It might not be what you want in your head, so you're going to sell it as here we go. Make it make it the way you want to make it. It works yeah. the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Reef Hog has been doing it forever. And people do it with Suix when they wrap solder around Suix. the hooks and stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a lot of times I, I think that it is kind of sold as marketing. But anyways. Yeah. And then, but I think from, um, like, I could counter that with, from a bait maker's perspective, when you're, selling baits and let's say i get a guy that that fishes the river in virginia and he's only you know his max depth is is four feet and then he gets that same bait that a guy in chautauqua wants and he wants it to run eight feet um you know so when you're selling them 
do you do you build the bait for the river guy or do you build the bait for the lake guy or do you put the removal weight in it so that they can do with it what they want right so i'll tell you how we so, do it but but that's that's what it is the room the, the weight system is the save all mm-hmm. like this there's... will make it go deeper this will make it without it it would go shallower and the, and the weight system is an ounce to a quarter ounce. you know you could be you can make whatever Put whatever you want. whatever you want in it uh, i mean this is just how we do it and I, again i'm not anti weight but it's like we made this bait to do this function and mm. then they'd be like well okay so i don't want it to go 6 or 8 feet deep i want it to go 4 well maybe you want to look at this soft tail okay well then you know this doesn't fit my thing and i've told people this i'm like i don't think this bait's going to be for you and correct and, and it yeah, just we do okay that all the time. And, and just move on now this is a deep running jerk bait I don't know, Vance. Were you there for the one show where there was another jerk jerk bait maker across from us? And um, oh yeah, and, and, and he's he, like, like he, he was he comparing was like, his junk. stuff. He's like, yeah. he's like, this isn't like them Raptors. This is gonna float right up to the top where you want it to be. Like he yeah. was switching <laughs> we it like one eighty. Holy cow! Like we we, we could hear him. Things. We were we were right next to him, and, and we could hear and and on the. He, on the corner was that insane Tony Grant song thing going on. That t- come we were on, next hear to Tony. the noise. Come on, hear the noise. And then we had this guy that was like, you don't want this shit over here. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we are just like, okay. Like, we can literally sorry. hear you. <laughs> yeah, like, we're right here. All right. <laughs> so so that, should that be my... Should that be my max strategy to sell baits is to trash talk to all the all the glad bait makers around me? Like you don't want that garbage. You don't want this crap. Even though <laughs> even though you could have turned to me we, and your voice was loud enough I thought you were talking to me. We like when when we sell at the shows, we're so brutally honest. I try it's, to talk people out of our stuff. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like how we're horrible at marketing. I mean, like, purposely we horrible. Very good at it, but we're on like three honest men that are just like, this is what it does, and and that's it. Like, we're not like, you know, this is the one that caught the fifty three out of, you know, Joe Schmo's Bangladesh, 50, uh, and you know, and you need to buy this now. It's just like brutally honest. Like, we made this to go deep, and and like the reason it was it was made, it was because like. I want to hit fish these deep weed edges and I don't want to mess around with this stuff because that's what we were fishing, you know, and it was just cool to go out of the box. Cause like I said, those weights initially when you're used to like spin casting or, you know, using a bass style jerk bait where it's just like tap tap and it has a, a nose to uh, a, a Lexan lip to it. And it's like real easy. Now all of a sudden you're handed something that is, larger and you have to do like a correct motion to get this thing to work it it like makes or breaks you like people that start off jerkbait fishing or glider fishing uh have to have a lot of patience with it because you have to find a perfect cadence for it and um and that's that's just where it is so uh but your cadence on like the jerk bait you handed me, I eventually got it to 
to work within like two casts. Mm-hmm. Like I cast it out, you know, I give it a rip, a rip, a rip. I'm like, well, that's way too much. It was a slight tap. I could feel it hovering, slight tap. And then I'm like, okay, I kind of have an idea of, of what this thing is supposed to do right now. But that's the only reason I can do that is because I started off jerk bait fishing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they're, they're way out of my wheelhouse. That's, that's for sure. But I look at it as a, as a challenge and you know, yeah, you're, that's, def- that's, you're definitely running everything challenging. I mean, that's, that's for damn sure. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, to, to one up you, I'm going to do the blindfolded series where I'm going to paint baits blindfolded. And however it turns out is, is I'm going to clear that. Blame it on well, God. You know, you know, <laughs> you laugh about that, but you have one of the most famous patterns that came from you emptying paint. Oh, uh, yeah, but I had my eyes brushes. open I mean, for that one. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's not a famous pattern. It's just it's the most famous pattern. <laughs> yes. I mean, you don't need any of these other colors like those junk raptors. But uh, <laughs> it's our staple pattern is the mud puppy. There's no doubt about it. Well, I mean, there's not a there's not an internet sales website or or custom bait maker out there that hasn't probably painted a right right mud puppy. I mean, that's just it's just a it's an industry standard now for sure. Yeah, we're enjoying the royalties, aren't we, Andy? <laughs> Hugely, hugely. Yeah, I, I have a museum full of the people who kindly asked. Yeah. uh, How about so? Andrew comes up and fishes with me in the fall, and we had like, uh, I mean, it it was like eighty degrees. Remember? Oh, it was. Yeah, it was almost like today. And dead flat calm. Yeah. But he, you pull out this six-inch teeth seeker, and it's in the mud puppy. Mm -hmm. And then after I berated you. And said that you copied us again, <laughs> like only a, a reasonable ma- bait maker should. I was like, th- "This thing is perfect." I was like, "This is the perfect." I was like, "You just nailed it." I was like, "This is the perfect mud puppy. This is what this it is better than Andy's." Is. No, it's not better than Andy's. It's just like this is the it's color. better than Dale's. This, it looks like a freaking mud puppy. Yes, this is. What Andy made when he emptied the this, gut. This is what he, this is what he was hoping for, but he just could never achieve this level. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was great. It takes it like, takes I a couple. Like this. you got to paint, you got to paint it a couple times. Like you you really gotta you really gotta do that that paint job quite a few times before you're like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. I've painted it thousands of times, and I still haven't thought that. <laughs> Like, thought. <laughs> I'm just like, well, here's more garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be painting yeah, hundreds but, of times you know, this year. But, you know, uh, Pinky saved the day, though, man. Yes, there there is a uh, there is a lore that we use when we go out, and uh, Pinky always gets it done. Is that Pinky, <laughs> like, the color pink, or is it has to do with Animaniacs and Pinky? No, so it's... It's um, I'll tell a story on that. So um, I'm friends with a guy out 
in Wisconsin named uh, Josh Rapska. He makes he's custom bait maker too, and he's been he's been musky fishing all his life. I have huge amount of respect for him. Um, but I went I went out I took a trip out to Wisconsin. I went fishing with him and uh, did a little bit of turkey hunting too while I was up there. And uh, and he was he was always talking about this pattern headache. Like he he does several baits in it and a few other things. But uh, it's it's basically the color scheme is is pink, white, and chartreuse. So I painted a crankbait that was white base. Um, and then I did like a lace chartreuse over top of that. And then I did pink scales across the back, right? Pink scales. I mean, it's, it's pink, you know, the, the muskie have to be able to see it from, you know, halfway down the lake because it's, it's just that bright. And, uh, I think the first time I pulled it out, I got on Vance boat. Vance is like, he just kind of looked at it for a minute, you know, giving it the Vance stare. And then I think you called it, you called it pinky, like right off the bat. Like, let's put Pinky out. I don't know if I have a... I, I don't even know what the dance there is. But... <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I call it the dance there. Like, kind of like a, either, either amazement or confusion or it's kind of a combination of all of those. But anyway, it was certainly not a... Uh, certainly not one of Vance's standard colors on Chautauqua. But uh, I, I, I insisted that we run it and... And Vance was like, "Yeah, let's run Pinky." So we put Pinky back. I think Mike was with us that time, and he was. We ended up we ended up catching one on that, and uh, you know, I, I kept that bait for myself because I'd made it for myself, and well, it's, it, it's, it's kind of done a few times for me in random places. I I, I don't know if there's anything but, to it, but I love that pattern. Uh, and I, I believe Pinky is screw eye bait. No, Pinky's through wire. Pinky's through wire. And then there was another one that you made as a screw eye and we ran those couple. And again, it goes back to that wooden wood consistency. I was like, you know what? This is an off color that I'm not comfortable with, Mm -hmm. but it's action looks very good. And it's nothing different than you did with the other ones, but there was some type of action to it. Was it the magic wood? We talk about that, yes. And that rod goes off. And that action is is what I was looking for. And we had probably another half dozen of those baits. I picked one that was a color that you wouldn't think to run on that body of water. Um, And it got it. It got it done. Uh, And that's where that action over color comes in or maybe that i mean it did it again you know a couple months ago i think he got it done um yep and uh it like what what it all comes down to is people that are making custom baits with wood are like fly fishermen they just want to make it that much harder for themselves (laughs) that's 100 percent the truth you know and that's and it's tip of the cap, you know, like good for yeah, you. Yeah, and you, you know, you've got to have something your your confidence in too. You you got to. There's no point in going out with a bait that you're not confident in because you're just you're gonna you're gonna suffer through that day. And mm-hmm. you know when I when I tie when I tie pit something like pinky on, it's a bait that 
that I just have confidence in and I'm going to run it and it's probably going to get hit because I'm going to want to leave it in all day. Full disclosure, Andrew and I were hit with like crap weather and I knew that this was going to like turn, I was like, I need this to be extremely bad. And I knew that this, the fishing would eventually get good if it did that. And then we were hit with this hellacious storm where I shouldn't have been fishing, but it was really good fishing. And I put on a four-inch peace uh, seeker, and I like the way that it's running, and I keep it on the whole time. We're checking lines, and I'm like, keep that one on, keep that one on, keep that one on. It's flat calm. We're hot. We're in T-shirts. We could be in shorts. I was so surprised that the rod went off. <laughs> when it went off, I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I think we were both like just, we were, we were pretty stunned that day. I said, you've got to be kidding me. It was, it was hilarious. So, I mean, that comes back to like, that's obviously probably not a good thing for a guide to say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to like, to instill confidence uh, for like coming out of how confident I was to, you know, try to get this rod to go off and during fall fatty season. Um, but it went off and it was the wood that I in, in, enjoyed uh, looking at the action in, in that bait. So just, it, it adds to the fun. It, it, it oh, yeah. makes the journey fun. Like I, I do not shy away from bad days fishing. Um, I rarely get, rarely get super discouraged from bad days on the water. It's, mm-hmm. it's all learning to me. 80 degrees in middle of uh, November is, is a bit discouraging. Oh, hundred percent. When you, yeah, when you, when, when I when have you pack you all your at, winter clothes, when I have you stay at the camper and I'm like, and this is how you turn on the air conditioning. <laughs> Just in case you're here next fall and it's 80 degrees, <laughs> I won't have to repeat myself. I had, I had like hand warmers packed. I had all the heavy gear packed. Like I was ready for, I was just ready for New York wintertime, which yeah. is what we, you know, what we were hoping for. And it was, I should have brought flip flops and the, you know, sunscreen, the, the Hawaiian, the Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, that's just not anybody that, Anybody that's fished in November knows that that's just not the weather you want. <laughs> and uh, just, could you touch base on your lineup one more time of what you make in your gliders and your cranks, just so everybody yeah, so, knows? So primary lineup for glide is, uh, I'll start the biggest, 10-inch, which is a more shallow glide, more river-based. Then I do a... Eight inch deep, which is a more lake-based deep running glide, then an eight inch shallow, which is uh, obviously a shallow one, um, and then new this year and first release at Max is the five and a half inch, is a super deep glide, um, and then the four inch, which is more of a shallow glide, um, but surprisingly a lot of lake lake fishermen are using them. Um, the the eight deep and the five and a half are more of a technical glide. I try to tell people that they're they're built for fishing deep. They're not for 
they're not great for bank yanking or shallow rivers. You know, they run deep. They're they're meant to go out in the lake. Um, I'll just give a little backstory on both of those baits. Come from my escapades, lake fishing. Um, you know, you go out with either a guide or a buddy, and you're trying to target shad balls that are, you know, eight to ten feet down. Um, you need a glide that can get there and can stay there. Or if you're in super heavy current in a big river system, um, you need something that that's got a lot of weight to it. So that's what those two those two baits are designed for. Everything else is um, super friendly to run. Um, you know, you get a lot of new fishermen that that are new to glides. These all the all of my shallow baits run very easily. You can run them by the reel. You can run them by the rod. Um, you know, you can you take your girlfriend fishing that's never fished before. You can have her running a glide at the end of the day, especially with the the four inch. They're just they're so user friendly, which was the idea behind that. And then um, pranks. Right now, I'm doing a six inch, which I usually make those in the summertime. Um, I wanted to make some for Max, but I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to fit those in. I will have the four inch because um, I, I wanted to do the four inch for sure because Max, just the uh, the people that come there, the demographic at that show like the small baits a lot. So um, I tried to stick with more of those than the six inch just because I knew they would be more popular at that show. But uh, I'll probably do some, some more six inch. I usually build those in the summer when it's nice in my shop and our water gets too hot to fish. So I'll spend time and they, you know, they take a lot more time to build. So that's why they end up getting done then. So that's pretty much the, the standard lineup. Um, I have lots of things that I'm always working on. I'm always trying to, you know, come up with something new or something that, uh, that meets some fishing demand that I, some trip that I went on. I'm like, well, you know, this bait worked. Uh, maybe I should try to make one like it, and, you know, have a, have a bait of my own for that situation. So I'm always working on stuff. Um, I did some 12 inch uh, cranks that we ran yeah, this fall. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, uh, the one thing I was curious about. I, you made a 12 inch crank bait that I thought ran perfect. Uh, yeah, that one. was because that was year two. So the first year was so, so, mm -hmm. and then I, I brought it back and tweaked it a little bit and, um, mm -hmm. I think we I think we had something that will probably that's good you forward. that's that's good you uh tweaked it after i said it was perfect so um no no i tweaked it after the first year not i'm oh, i'm gonna okay. stick, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna stick with the one you said was perfect that's yeah I, th I, th anyway. I think it's amazing uh no uh just quick question is it easier to make a big bait or a small bait for you for me with um I would say overall the big baits are easier. Mm -hmm. I, I have had, I have had more, um, I've had less failures with big baits than I have with small baits. Mm -hmm. The the four inch crank and the four inch glide was a ton of R and D. Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of prototypes that went to the wood stove. I would say those those two baits have the most work into them as far as development. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is that the big glides like 
for whatever reason, it seems the bigger you go, the the easier they are to get to work. Um, it, it, you hit a point where at about 16 to 18 inches where they kind of start going downhill, it seems like. And I think it's because your equipment's not able to turn you that You don't bait. have the horsepower. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just, yeah, you don't. Because uh, I, I actually did a... Um, I actually just finished them, and uh, I'm getting ready to send some to some buddies, some 12-inch some twelve inch glides that are monsters, and they weigh a pound. Um, they they scale out right at a pound, and they look they look really good. They swim really good. I'm really happy with them. I'll probably eventually do some more of them. But, man, when you start throwing a pound on your epoxy wheel, that, that gets sketchy. You got to well, have them have... balanced. Don't put them all on one side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the motor yeah, starts screaming. Yeah, it turns into an amusement park ride. And you also have to have the square footage to fit something that large on something yeah. that's rotating. It can hit the floor, or, you know, if you have it in a climate controlled like, area that, that it actually can fit on there. Yeah, you get into those big baits, you like you really enter another world because I can turn a 16 inch bait with my, with my equipment, but it's just, you look at it and you're like, what am I doing? Like you can't even fit this in most people's tackle boxes. Um, you know, and I know, I know like the Georgian Bay crowd, you know, they love those, those big giant baits, but at the end of the day, if you're going to fish 50 different bodies of water, the odds of you needing a 12 inch bait are, are not that great like you can do you can do what you can do accomplish the same thing with an eight inch bait is what you did with something that weighs a pound that's just my that's just my mm-hmm. opinion but i get it i'm sure I'm sure other people's opinions would differ <laughs> <laughs> I, I i definitely am sometimes a subscriber to the big bait big fish theory but you know some of the biggest fish on spray bomb baits have been on the four inch glide so you know, it kind of cancels that out. I think it's just, I think that's one of the uh, common misconceptions in the musky world. Mm-hmm. We've all seen those 58-inch fish come out of uh, the Larry on bass crankbaits. Yep. Ken O'Brien, walleye fishing. You know, yep. Like that. <laughs> yep. There's, there's no justice in it. For sure. Sweet. Perfect. Is there anything, uh, we're at like an hour, 34 minutes. Is there anything you want to add? We probably should wrap this up. (laughs) Uh, no, we're in an hour and 34 because we completely went off kilter in the plugs again. I know. I know. We went like 20 minutes (laughs) on the plugs talking how poor we are at marketing. (laughs) To the to the to the to the average listener, which I feel like I'm in probably an av- I, I might be a slightly above average listener because I do pretty much catch every episode, but um, that's what a lot of drive time will do for you. But um, yeah, the, the the pre-show BS sessions are sometimes sometimes the most fun content too. So you can't you can't you can't leave those out. They just gotta happen sometimes. Thank you. Th- that's that's why I I try to. I try to stir something up, but if, if it's not there, I just move on. So. For sure. <laughs> but 
but no, I mean, like, is there anything you want to add? Because, uh, you know, this, this has been fun, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. No, I can't think of anything. I appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, huge amount of respect for what you guys do. I've, I've probably listened to every podcast and, you know, I love going up and fishing with Vance when I have time and love the rafters and I have, I have, I do have four AZ rod holders. They do have the AZ stamp on them. That's and, uh, <laughs> we talked while we were waiting for Vance to call. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he didn't. He said he didn't make these in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> well, well so yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, you probably could have just done it with a drill press and a belt sander, right? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. That's a good one. <laughs> Angle grinder, probably. Yeah, I mean, I just bit through my lip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you always got to do it a second time, so you might as well get that out of the way. Oh, or you could just be like just... me and chew on my tongue at night, and it's just like raw in the morning. <laughs> oh wait, how did you come up with the name Spray Bomb? Oh, yeah, I kind of left that out. So, um, it was actually the the guy I went to the show with for the first time. He's a buddy of mine from home, and. uh I had started making these baits, you know, and giving them out to my friends and stuff. And I was like, I need a name for this, for, for bait company. Or he, I think he suggested that I needed a name. He's like, you got to name these something. He's like, here, come up with some wild name, you know, cause we were on the custom bait fix and there's all these wild names out there. And when I started, I was, before I had an airbrush, I was uh, using rattle cans, like for the really early stuff. And, uh, He's like, why don't you just call it Spray Bomb Bait Company? I was like, well, I guess I'm rattle canning them. Uh, I don't see why not. So that's what I ended up doing. And it just seems to work. I, I haven't heard too many complaints. So <laughs> it's I, an uh, odd name, but I'll, it's one of them things that just, you, you, it got burned out and it, see what would stick and it stuck. So I, I like the really name cool. because, like, that was the one thing, like, in high school was, you always had that one friend that didn't care about his car, and we were like, you know, we just went and did the spray bomb paint job on it. We just <laughs> masked it off and get, gave it like that white and blue, like the Viper paint job you see. And yep. uh, so, yeah, that it brings back memories when I see spray bomb because that's how we always talked. So, yeah, you yeah, and told I'm... me a story where you painted the entire interior of your friend's car black <laughs> with racket cans just went in and s- started just spraying everywhere <laughs> not one but two friends <laughs> the problem was was that they would see they're like you see walmart has a spray paint that sticks to plastic it's called fusion and we're like yeah so then they got into like who can deck out their cavaliers better so <laughs> We spray painted the in- interior. The issue was it never really set up, and you like put your arm on it, and you went to pick it up. It was like trying to <laughs> sp- take the bread off of grilled cheese. It was like <laughs> just like your arms stuck there. That's how bad that stinks for forever. <laughs> well, those aren't forever cars, by the way. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's cool. I mean, I know Andy started out with a racket can too, because I saved those rafters, uh, and I I still have them that uh, 
that he wanted to throw away when I wanted them out of my sight. Yeah, I mean they were in the garbage pile. I don't honestly. I don't think there's many baymakers out there that probably didn't. They probably all started the same way. I mean, it was just it was it was out of necessity. You didn't have an airbrush and you wanted to go test a bait or whatever. You just spray bomb it white and mm-hmm. go out and test it out and see how it looked. And it, you know, I didn't want to pile a bunch of money into an airbrush if I didn't know if it was something I was going to stick with. Or do I have two hundred dollars in an airbrush or? Th- Three dollars and fifty cents, <laughs> or pretty much, it's sitting on the shelf in your garage. It, exactly, because when you first start out, you know, you don't know if you're gonna, how much you're gonna stick with it, or you know how it's gonna go, and and you just you're like, oh, I can save a lot of money by this rattle can. I and mean, you know, I'd say all that, and now I have, now I have three three hundred dollar airbrushes sitting here that I use all the time, and I'm still not a good painter. I I don't make any claims to be a good painter because it's not something that I've put. It's probably the one thing that I've put the least amount of effort into. I've put, I've put more of my effort into building, um, you know, structural integrity, epoxies, all that type of thing, way long before I ever worried about how good the paint job was. I know that paint sells baits, but um, I just uh, I wanted to focus on those other things first, and I still do for the most part. Um, just out of practice and necessity, I have gotten a little better at paint, but. Um, it's it's definitely not an area of uh, strong focus for me. I'd much rather focus on durability and function and catching some fish. It's just just one of the things I believe in. It's but there's some fantastic painters out there. That's for sure. There's some guys that just blow you away. Certainly have an appreciation for it. Right. It's all in how much time you want to put into that one step. <laughs> yep. All right, hey man, I uh, I appreciate you taking time. Um, uh, no, no problem. So uh, big thanks to Fat AZ Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, Saint Croix Rods, Vicks Marine, Ranger Boats, New York Muskie Show, and oh geez, I completely skipped Aqua Traction. Yep. Man, yeah, am did. I a terrible host? It's hey guys, okay. check out Aqua Traction there. <laughs> Don't, well don't, done. Don't, don't don't lay your buddy heater grill down on the aqua traction. Oh, I did that. Yeah, that's the only thing it didn't. Uh, Extreme high heat, like combustion kind of thing. Like turn it yeah, right off and it. then floor it out of the, uh, the boat ramp and then it falls on its face. It, it, it burned it, but it looks good. I got a story of something similar to that, but it's for another day. It's not with aqua traction, but it's with a buddy heater. <laughs> Um, and it happened like a week ago, so it's, it's still fresh. Um, and the musky max plus. So, um, all right. Happy new year, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening and, uh, stay warm. <laughs>